thank you. country plays hard as I will play the rest of the season and you never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season. You never see a team play harder than we will the rest of the season. I knew we had a good chance to beat him when I heard Feinbaum picked him to win by about 25 points. Somebody tell me. Turned by Chris Davis. Davis goes left. start this episode with a moment of silence for our brothers in orange our brothers out of nashville i'm sorry knoxville oh baby the tennessee volunteers i mean just in the arms (laughs) of an angel bro what oh yeah dude let me tell you a funny story about that so I'm in, I was in Tennessee over the weekend. Um, I actually took a trip up to Athens, saw some old friends, and I go to Tennessee with my family for a family reunion. We're staying on a houseboat, and I have no service. Well, Saturday, Saturday morning, I take a boat to a golf course. It was super cool, beautiful golf course. And I'm in the, I'm in the pro shop paying my uh, – uh, well, we're about to leave, and the guy goes – obviously, I'm decked out in Florida stuff because that's most of my golf gear. And the guy goes – how about that Miami game? And I'm like, I know it. And I, he's, I said, who are you? He said, I'm a volunteer. And I said, who you have this week? He said, Georgia State. I said, uh-oh, upset alert. He said, yeah, right, get out of here. And now I bet that man is crying himself to sleep this week. I wish you could see him again because I would want to know what his reaction is. Oh, dude, I wish I could too. And honestly, dude, I hate Tennessee fans, but it's getting to a point where honestly I feel bad for him. And I never thought I'd say that. Man, I really don't have that much hate in my heart for Tennessee because for most of my life, they haven't been very good. Um, so I've never really had, you know, the the heartbreaker a couple a few years ago, about three years ago now, because I was on my honeymoon when this happened. Bro, I was on my honeymoon, right? It was the first night of our honeymoon. Me and my wife are in the hotel room in Mexico, and I'm watching the Georgia versus Tennessee game over terrible Wi-Fi, and Jacob Eason, with 19 seconds to go, throws the most beautiful pass I may have ever seen in my entire life. Straight down the sideline, guy catches it, scores a touchdown, go up over Tennessee, and I'm thinking, this is it, baby, we won. And I'm going, Jacob Eason's a Georgia legend for that throw, right? Like, he's going to go down in Georgia history forever for that throw. Turn around, we do some dumb squib kick like Georgia has always done my entire life for whatever reason. I don't understand why our special teams coordinators can never make good decisions, but that's another conversation. And they end up throwing that Hail Mary. So other than that, I don't really have any reason to hate Tennessee. And the only reason I'm even – now I'm starting to hate them because they're making the SEC look so bad. And really the SEC East as a whole kind of made us look bad – this week besides florida and georgia um because how angry hold up i have a question before we segue to this you're on your honeymoon and you lose on a hail mary 
How did you just have some crazy ass angry sex after that? I mean, holy! No, 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 no. We it was. Could you not even get it up afterwards, dude? Oh you... my gosh! Oh my goodness! No, we uh we went to bed. I was very in a bad mood, and my wife my wife is uh, notorious for not understanding my sports related depression. So. Or we ended up just going to bed. I, I was very sad. I think I said, I can't freaking believe this about a million times. Um, I watched it over and over again, looking for a way out, just trying to understand what God was doing to me and why. And I never got an answer. Um, so, yeah, that was a that was a terrible, terrible night. Uh, but, yeah, this weekend was a terrible, terrible weekend for the SEC East, man. I, it was brutal. Ole Miss lost too, which we called that. We said that they would talk lose Ole Miss, that. which I can't really. We can't take too much credit. They were an underdog, so um, that was that was picked correctly by the odds makers. But let's see, Missouri lost to Wyoming, and yeah, that was a shock. Few scores. It wasn't like close or anything. Well, it's crazy um, to me as you and me talked about dark horses as Missouri, and then they lose to Wyoming. I mean, bro, obviously not an SEC matchup, but just blows my mind, bro. It wasn't just us. Everybody in the country was saying that Missouri was a dark horse in the SEC East. Was know, there man. was there an analyst in the country that was down on Kelly Bryant and Missouri this offseason? No, but I tell you what, Kelly Bryant had a heck of a game. It was just oh, it was brutal. I don't but even know, no, man. there wasn't. And it's similar to Tennessee game. I don't really understand it because if you look at the Tennessee roster and you look at the Georgia State roster. Tennessee should just be able to out-athlete those guys 10 out of 10 times. Uh, you know, six plays to Sunday, they should be able to get the job done. They they technically had more yards on offense than Georgia State by about 50 yards. Um, they did give up way more yards on the ground. They gave up over 200 yards rushing to Georgia State and didn't gain um, even 100 on their side of the ball. They only had three penalties the whole game, but they had three turnovers and they had le- less time of possession. And so I, I just don't understand how something like that even happens, especially at home. Um, it just I, I've tried to understand it. And, and if you look at I didn't watch the whole game, but if you look at like the highlights and you watch some of the stuff, it just seemed like uninspired football like it just seemed like tennessee wasn't even playing it looks like the game was at 5 a.m in the morning and they just woke up and pulled on their pads and started playing at 5 a.m like that's what they're about like that last touchdown by the quarterback for georgia state yeah i mean the dude first of all the dude broke like six tackles and then second of all he made i mean just made tennessee look like he was playing an elementary school Yep. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, there's no, I don't know. And that's the thing. Like I, I even said to, I've been high on Jeremy Pruitt. I I think that I thought that he is a guy. I mean, I'm jury's still out. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they play. I mean, and Tennessee has a big game this week. Who do they play this week? BYU. Not that like, I mean, it's bigger than Georgia state. They could definitely lose that game. Like, So I this could go one of two ways. Either Tennessee could wake up and realize, oh, we have to actually play football to win games. And people will kind of laud Jeremy Pruitt for the way he turned 
the season around after a devastating loss at home in Neyland Stadium, or it could just be a straight nosedive. Um, let's talk about another nosedive that I see coming, and that's South Carolina. So they lose to UNC in a really close game. And honestly, normally I wouldn't make too big of a deal of this. Um, It's Mac Brown's first game back. Um, UNC isn't a great program, is a team that had a pretty rough year last year. But a few years ago, they played Georgia within four points in Kirby Smart's first year. And I think it was four. It was like 28, 24, 29, 23, something like that. Yeah. Um, Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Yeah, it was it was in the 20s, and it was pretty close. And North Carolina, you know, they're, they're a team that I would have said, like, they have a chance to beat the lower teams in the East. So I'm not that surprised that they won. The problem is what South Carolina has coming up. And so I'm just interested to hear yeah. if you saw anything, any parts of that game, if you – Paid attention to it and what your thoughts about Muschamp there going forward is. Uh, I mean, just same old Muschamp to me. Can't finish a game. Um, I mean, North Carolina scored 15 in the fourth fourth quarter, and South Carolina didn't. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, just, you know, South North Carolina had a field goal in each quarter. So, they mm-hmm. were – it was nine, and, it, I mean, they were down. I'm pretty sure at one point North Carolina was down – 20 to 9 and they came back mm. and beat them 24 to tw- to 20. Yeah. I mean just ridiculous. So I mean good for Mac Brown to to kind of come in and get that I mean for him that's a huge win to come in there and, and do his thing um, over an SEC opponent. But yeah, I mean just sloppy and and again we talked about must champ and all this stuff and this was kind of a a must win for him because the schedule just gets brutal just brutal from yeah. here. So I mean yeah, I agree. You know, any of these games that, you know, are kind of toss-ups are ones that he's going to have to win because, you know, when you have A&M, Clemson, Georgia, Florida, uh, you know, all those all those teams coming in town, um, you, you're screwing yourself a little bit. So Yep, yep. And I think, um, to me, I felt like a lot of people talked very highly of Bentley. Um, oh, I know. He didn't. Well, did you see he's out? Yeah, I saw that he's injured, but I also just wasn't impressed with the way he played in general. And he was somebody that I heard a lot of people talking pretty highly of and kind of, you know, building up to be a really good, good, you know, signal caller QB. So um, I was kind of surprised by the way he played. Yeah, I mean, he went 16 for 30, 142. Um you know, one touchdown, two interceptions. I mean, th- this is another thing that frustrates me, and I'm not trying to be a homer, but Bentley has been hyped up since he since he's gotten into the league because they're all like, oh, this kid's supposed to be in high school now, and he's playing quarterback at South Carolina. And the kid shows spurts, but, no, I mean, played like straight booty. But this is what frustrates me. There was a lot of SEC quarterbacks that were very, very underwhelming, especially in week one. And, and that's probably week one, and then you, know, you have younger quarterbacks and stuff like that. Uh, but really, there were only like two quarterbacks that blew me out of the water this week, and that was Kelly Bryant, who lost, and then Tua, who, you know, it's Tua, and Alabama yeah. is really all you need to say is it's Alabama. Yeah, I um, agree. But but what the what the crazy thing about that to me is, is that uh, I'm not even, I mean, I would say this even if I wasn't a homer, that it's ridiculous 
the the amount of criticism Felipe Franks takes compared to some of these other quarterbacks. I mean, for instance, I mean, Felipe Franks. Let me look up his stats just just so I can compare and be and be correct. But I, I mean, his right stats here. are good minus the two interceptions. Like but we that, talked about not, that. A couple it's weeks not ago. even that. I mean, I'm talking about even with the two interceptions. Just hear me out. The man threw the man threw for sixty percent. He had, he had 254 yards and two touchdowns and two interceptions. And then obviously one interception was brutal, and that and that needs to be taken care of. But people were, like, literally crucifying him. And then people want to praise Bo Nix, and this is my big thing. People want to praise Bo Nix, and I get he's a freshman. But that last throw was complete luck. He underthrew it. It should have been picked off if the, if the corner played it right. Uh, and he played like ass. And people are talking about – you know he's a, already an Auburn legend, and he did this, and he did that, and and so on and so forth. And then you don't hear you don't hear anything about um, you don't hear anything about Jake Bentley who played like butt. And I'm just trying to trying to see any of the other other SEC quarterbacks. I'm trying to remember some of the stats here, but that's another thing. Like I'm not even trying to be a homer. It's literally I people were I'm talking. Ch- chastising Felipe Franks, yeah. including the fan base. Well, like, I, I agree, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. Um, and so first, let me play devil's advocate a little bit. I think he does that have all, an ego. Do what? I was and to your. I know what you're going to say. He does have an ego. No, no, no. Not that. I'll get to that in a second. I, but oh. just playing devil's advocate, I do think that ball that Bo Nix threw was underthrown. But I think he was putting like some air under it and trying to go for the matchup like with a his little back shoulder there. kind of thing. Yeah, he was trying to put it back shoulder. He had a receiver that's bigger than the corner that's on him. Um, and it's it's a smart throw in the situation because even if the corner gets back to it, he's got a receiver over there that can play defense and get knocked the ball down. Um, and I think some of the other stuff is just the pure fact that as much as I hate to say it, you know, I'm not a Florida fan by any means and I'm an Auburn hater, certified Auburn hater. I think that the expectations at Florida are different than at Auburn. And even though Auburn's had success on the national stage, um, even though they played in the national championship against Oregon um, with Gene Chizik and they, um, they're not Gene Chizik with Gus Malzahn, and then Gene Chizik won a national championship with Cam Newton. Like, even though they've had success, I just think that the pure fact that Gus Malzahn is still the coach there, we can say that Auburn is willing to take less than as long as they feel like it's getting some sort of job done. And I think that's what Bo Nix did on Saturday. Um, I wasn't super impressed by Bo Nix. I didn't think he played great. And I honestly, at one point, was – kind of surprised that they hadn't rolled somebody else in. Um, yeah. I think he's a young quarterback. I think he's he's probably going to develop, and I think that he'll get better. But, you know, I felt like that was Oregon's game to lose, and they lost it. They didn't get the job done. Um, in typical Oregon fashion. Yeah. They blew it. Yeah. So, you know, on one hand, I am an SEC homer. I'm glad the SEC at least won a, won a game that they weren't supposed to win, seeing that the SEC East – lost games they weren't supposed to lose um so that helps a little bit but at the end of the day i agree with you i think that felipe is catching way too much flack for his play now a lot of that is because and and let me be clear about this felipe (laughs) is the most unlikable sec quarterback since johnny manziel (laughs) 
And hey. Johnny Manziel, to me, had redeemable qualities in the sense that he was electric to watch. Yeah, and Felipe's was... not electric to watch. Felipe's a good quarterback who makes some dumb mistakes sometimes. Johnny Manziel made dumb mistakes and turned them into touchdowns. So when you couple Felipe's personality with the kind of plays he makes, he's an easy scapegoat and an easy guy for people to hate on. So I think that's where a lot of it's coming from. And I think a lot of times, man, people forget that these are, these are young men. Like these are guys who are still growing and learning and, and becoming who they will be. And I think that's some of what's, you know, Felipe suffering from right now is that he's not being given a chance to grow by a lot of people, myself included, because at such a young age, he's being expected to lead a team and well, that's be in the spotlight and handle it well. And it's hard to have the expectations of playing well, but then also acting right. And sometimes you have it work out like a guy like Nick Chubb, who nobody can say a bad thing about the guy on either side. But then you have a guy like Felipe, where even when he plays well, based on how he acts, people kind of heap coals on his head. So I think that's a little bit of what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, when you're thrust into the court, I mean, I, I think coming in, he was a little immature to begin with and then when you're thrusted in the starting quarterback position at florida and even your own fans are giving you hell it it, it comes with uh you know it comes with a a lot of scrutiny and i mean and that's an that's one thing that um i've read a lot about in the in the offseason is how he's matured at that and you know you could see it a little bit in the my i mean obviously he talked to the camera it's like i do this which honestly i'm not gonna say this it, he, he Yes, he looked like a jackass because he threw the interception, but the fact that he he threw a pick, came in the next play and launched the bomb, and then had the confidence after that, he that would Felipe Franks would have never done that last year, uh, or even had that confidence. So I mean, you see it, but obviously he's got a he still has some growing up to do. But yeah. you know, a lot of teammates talk about how he's our leader, and he would he, you know no one really said he was vocal last year, so. There's something there, but we can move, let's yeah, move on for to the sure. next thing. Enough well, I just want to say I just want to say one more thing before we get off of Felipe Franks in Florida. Um, my whole life, I've heard people talk about how delusional Georgia fans are and <laughs> how wishy-washy we are with the Mark Rick thing. We'd love him, and then people would say fire him, then we'd love him, people say fire him. And I just want to say that Florida has got to be near our level with the way fans act about Felipe Franks. Because I've seen plenty of people calling for Felipe's head who are Florida fans. Um, and you're saying that they're they're delusional because they want him gone? Is that what you're no, saying? No, no, no. Oh. I'll get to the delusional part in a second. Right now I'm just saying they're wishy-washy. The delusional part is, and I want to shout somebody out real quick. I know we're not to shout out yet, but uh, I just want to bring Bryce Green into this because I know he'll <laughs> probably listen. Um, I saw Bryce making some questionable tweets this week. Some Bryce always makes tweets. some questionable tweets. And, and one of them, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of that, one of them – was a retweet and it just listed some quarterbacks and said why is felipe getting um harassed and and chastised for his play but these guys aren't and jake Fromm was on that list and anybody with a brain could look at the game from played and realize why he didn't get chastised over 60 percent had a touchdown what do you want from the man he's a game manager that's what he did no picks you know we're a run first offense so i just want to say that florida fans are as equally delusional and wishy-washy as UGA fans. 
And maybe in some <laughs> aspects. Maybe in some aspects. <laughs> we won't get into this um, argument, but maybe in some aspects. Yeah, so definitely a weird um, definitely a weird weekend for the SEC, you know, and I know we're going to catch a lot of flack from other conferences and their fans for it. So I'm I'm preparing myself for that long as the season goes on. Get back to me at the get back if they have any slack for me. Get back to me at the end of the season. Then we'll talk. Yeah, yep. All right. I mean, we have some. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to go into segue into next week and stuff like that. I mean, we can talk about a couple injuries if you want. Um, I know, obviously, Jake Bentley um, was a big one for South Carolina. I think he's out actually for about six to eight weeks, is what I read. Um, And you know, we'll see. And I think he's actually going to miss the Florida game. I don't, I don't know who their backup quarterback is. I'd have to look. But they're going to miss. I mean, they have Charleston Southern this week, so easy dub and stuff like that. But I think they have a couple, couple big ones that are a couple of big SEC matchups that they're going to need him for. So, kind of brutal. Um, you know, feel bad for the kid. Hopefully, he'll come back strong. And yeah, and I think that South Carolina's a program that's in the position of. You know, and this is the position a lot of programs are in. Not all programs are as blessed by recruits the way that schools like Clemson and Alabama and Georgia are, where a guy gets hurt and you have a four- or five-star guy behind him ready to roll in. So I think that's a big one for South Carolina. And I just feel like the, the chips are stacking up against Will Muschamp in a way that it's hard for me to believe that he will be there much longer unless some, he pulls something crazy um, out from his butt because it's just, I mean, it's a lot of stuff all at once. You know, you lose to North Carolina, Jake Bentley gets hurt and you've got murderers row um, for the next, you know, few weeks of schedule. Cause you have the hardest schedule in the country. So I just think that it's going to be tough um, for me to see him there. And I, I hate that Jake Bentley's injury is a part of that. Um, but so did we talk about the uh, Dylan Moses injury last week? I can't remember if that happened last no, week. No, we didn't. We didn't talk well, about Dylan Moses. Let's talk about that a little bit because that's a, that's a big That's one. a big one. That's a big one, yeah. No, I mean, that's big. I mean, Alabama, we always have that thing of next man up kind of thing, and I'm sure someone will step up. But Dylan Moses, it's going to be hard to replace him. Uh, that is for sure. So. And my father-in-law is a big Alabama fan, and he's saying that, their inside linebacker core is like one of their weaker um, positions yeah, this year. Uh, yeah. That they don't have anybody behind him with any real experience, and that man, that's that's paramount to losing your quarterback because anybody that's played football before know that you get the strength set and you get the coverage called and 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 any audibles and stuff a lot of time from that middle linebacker package. So from that middle linebacker position, so. That's a that's a big loss. I mean, you're talking about losing possibly and arguably and who the person who I would say is the best linebacker in the nation. So that's a big loss. And, you know, they're Alabama and they still have the offense they have and they still got dudes all around that defense. But it's just one of those things that it's even a team like Alabama suffers from an injury of that magnitude. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. Um, through the year, especially when they start to play, you know, hard nosed run teams that are that are SEC style football. Uh, so we'll I will have to keep an eye on that and see how that goes. And there was also an injury in the UGA camp this week. Um, Isaiah Wilson, uh, who is our big giant man child of a tackle, uh, had a lower body injury. And so when I first saw 
the um, tweets and, and the, the news that he had been injured, that's all people were saying was lower body. And so at first I didn't know to whether to think it was serious or whether to treat it as, you know, something minor because lower body is like a weird, that's a weird way to describe it. Like if it was an ACL, they would just say ACL. You know what I mean? So I didn't, I didn't know how serious to take it at first. And so I kind of waited before I started to freak out or heavy breathe or pant or anything like that. Cause I didn't want to see him go down. He looked amazing against Vanderbilt the other day. And then I listened to um, another podcast that I listened to that's a, a UGA podcast uh, hosted by Rusty Manziel and the rest of the crew at Dogs 24-7. Shout out to those guys. Um, and they talked about it. And they said that it's an ankle injury. And I was about to say. they said that it's going to be week to week. They don't think it's anything serious enough for him to miss the whole season and that he probably could technically play as soon as we need him but Kirby is going to be very cautious. We don't. We have a couple games that we don't necessarily need him. We're going to go week to week. You mean and try tell you, to get him back? You mean tell you when he's going to be back? You mean tell you when he's going to be back? Florida game. Florida game? Yeah, probably. Florida game. Probably. Yeah, they said he'll probably miss at least Notre Dame. Um, so the, here's oh, the thing, man. Wow. But here's the thing. Sam Pittman has done such a good job recruiting and Rusty and those guys talked about this, but uh-huh. it's just something we can't not touch on. Sam Pittman's done such a good job recruiting that we just have a five-star right up again. You know, Cade Mays is going to bounce over probably, and we're just going to keep on trucking. Um, and yeah. I, I think that the injury is significant and it's something that worries me because, um, Ben Cleveland dealed with a ankle injury last year that, you know, wasn't ever fully healed and he struggled with throughout the year. So ankles can be funny, especially when you're 300 plus pounds and you're running, you know, you're running downfield um, on screens and, and trying to block in the second level and that sort of thing. Well, so even ankles with offensive line, people roll over your feet all the time. Yeah, and man. Gonna- so it is something that worries me, but I'm trying to not worry about it too much because it seems like the people at Georgia aren't worrying about it too much. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll It'll see. So fun. let's let's move on to, to this um, coming week. We want to do a shorter say, episode, so let's go ahead and keep moving. All right, so let's just talk about the big matchups that we, we got to hit. So LSU-Texas, tell me what Ooh. your thoughts on that game are. Man, Joe Burrow looked really good week one. So, I mean, I think it really – I mean, as – as obvious as it sounds, it's going to come down to quarterback play. I think the cool matchups are, you know, LSU's DBs versus Texas wide receivers, and both schools claim that they're DBU, but in reality, we all know who's DBU, and that is in Gainesville. But uh, that's another story. But, I, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think LSU will win. I think Edo will just be on some crack and just come in there and be like, blah, 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 let's go, and they'll all just go out there and bust down a freaking wall. Um, obviously I think Tom Herman will have a better game plan than Edo because I'm never high on Edo's like X's and O's, but I don't know. I just feel like I'm really looking forward to this game. This is, I'm looking forward to this game more, more than I was any game week one. Uh, obviously Auburn, Oregon was cool, but this is just like two programs that you're just like, Ooh, this is going to be some good football. So I'm ready for it. If I had to make a prediction, LSU's a favorite by by a touchdown right now. 
I'd probably take LSU by like a field goal or less. I mean, it's going to come oh, down. Oh, wow. You think it's going to be real close? I think it's going to be close. I mean, I could see Texas winning this game. I could see LSU winning on like a last second field goal or just like winning yeah. by a field goal and then their, and then their defense stopping t- Texas. We'll yeah. see. I mean, I, who knows? Um, so, I mean, I think it's going to be close. I think LSU probably wins by 10, maybe a little more, maybe a little less, but around 10. But just because here's the thing. Both schools claim to be DBU, but I think that LSU's defense is better. And I think that Joe Burrow is the better quarterback. So you and have Sam Ellinger? Yeah, I think Joe Burrow. Oh, you're on crack cocaine. No, bro. I think Sam Ellinger's a better runner. Don't get me dude, wrong. Dude. But I don't I'm think not... I don't think Sam Ellinger's a better passer. People are too high on Joe Burrow. I'll get into that. We'll, I, we'll talk about that. I don't think he's amazing. I just think that he is. I mean, I think he's Sam Ellinger is better than Joe Burrow. Bro. That's facts. Well, you we just let me. Well, you let me finish my prediction, bro. My goodness. Finish, finish it. So I think that it's going to come down to whether Sam Ellinger can find openings uh, passing the ball, and I don't think that's going to be very easy. And I think he's still going to be that. You know running quarterback and if LSU's D-line and linebackers play well um against the run then I don't think there's any way that they don't end up winning. I think that Texas lost a lot on their defense. Um and I and I'm pretty sure a couple of those pieces are are from the secondary. So I'm not sure that I trust that secondary against the spread style offense that LSU is trying to play this year. Um as much as I trust the LSU defense against Texas's offense. So I think around 10 points um, in LSU's favor is, is what I'm guessing. Maybe like 35-25 or 32-24, something like that. All right. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Let's bust out this next one. We're going to bust. We're going to talk about this one, then we'll bust out the rest. Okay. Texas A&M Clemson, you go first. Okay, Texas A&M Clemson. I think this one will be close in the first half, and then in the second half, I think Clemson will pull away. Um, I think Texas A&M is on the rise. Jimbo Fisher is one of the best coaches in college football. He's got a quarterback that he's grooming, and we all know that that's what Jimbo does best. And I think we're going to see flashes of what Texas A&M will be, but I just don't think it's going to – I don't think that they can compete at every position – across the line with Clemson. And I think that, you know, it's a big game. Clemson had a game against Georgia Tech last week where Georgia Tech is absolutely terrible and and doesn't look good at all, and they're under a new coach, and so Clemson walked through easy. So I think Clemson's going to be coming in a little high on their horse and for good reason, and I think it's going to be close early. But I think eventually Clemson wins by two scores at least. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. I was going to go with the same thing a little bit, but I actually think it's going to be this one. I'm going to say I'm going to go a little bold here. I'm not going to go okay. as bold as last week with Georgia Tech over Clemson. Yeah, that was. A little I'm bit. still. I'm hot take machine. Not anymore though. I learned my lesson. I'm still high on Clemson, and I'm still thinking they're going to win this game. But let me tell you something. This is going to be. This is going to be. A touchdown game or less. Ooh. How about that? That would be very fun to watch for sure. It'd be amazing to watch. But I just think, I, I don't know, man. I like Kelly Mod. I like Jimbo. And I think it is in Death Valley. So you're just like, Ugh. but I'm telling you, I think 
it, I don't know. It really is going to come down to if they can, can contain Travis Etienne. That's all it's going to come down to. But, I mean, that's a big if. So that's all i got to say about that. But touchdown score, touchdown or less, I'm calling it. Boom. And I should have learned my lesson not to go against Clemson, but I'm you still doing it. Yet. No. All right, let's pop out the rest of these. Let's pop All out right. the rest of these. We won't do any of the cupcake games, but uh, West Virginia, Missouri, what you think? Give me a little uh, Man, that's a hard one for me. I don't know much about West Virginia now. Um, I know that there's been some, some changes over there. Um, I'm going to go Missouri just because I think that they're probably motivated after last week. Yeah. They know they have the ability to beat good teams, much less teams like they played last week. And I think um, Barry Odom brings those guys out ready to roll, and they I'm roll. Going, I'm going Missouri 20 or more. 20 or more? Yeah, Good. like that. Missouri, book it, baby. Purdue, Vanderbilt, who you liking? Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Vanderbilt. I think Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Good lord. I was gonna say Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> I'm getting names all over the place today. I think Keyshawn Vaughn is really really good, and I think that he didn't look as good as he is against Georgia last week because it's Georgia, and I can really see them opening up some running lanes. And I also think, man, that. I think Kirby might have been easy easy on old Vanderbilt last week. Him and Derek Mason are buddies. I think him and Derek Mason oh. have a good relationship, and I think there might have been a little inside trading going on last week. Kirby kind of holding yeah. back. Not and you really talked about how we kill. were delusional. Whatever. I got Bro. I got Purdue Rondell Moore Heisman contender Purdue Ooh. by two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. Good yeah. gracious. I, I want to go Vandy, but I'm just saying. All right. Next All right. So cupcake with. No, Cupcake we're not with Mississippi cupcake. State. Yeah, Cupcake with Alabama. Arkansas Ole Miss. Two suck-ass teams, but it's going to be a good game. <laughs> Let me tell you my prediction. Ole Miss sucks. Arkansas sucks. Ole Miss, Matt Corral, Arkansas. I forget their quarterback, but let me say this. Mississippi State is a six point, five and a half point favorite. I'm taking Arkansas. You said Mississippi State. You meant Ole Miss? Ole Miss. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I'm taking Arkansas by 10. Boom. Arkansas by 10. Yeah, I've got Arkansas, too. I think Ole Miss is the worst they've been in a long time. Yeah, they suck. All right. Like, they're out. they're the worst they've been in a long time. Hold on. I want your prediction on the Tennessee-BYU game. Tennessee-BYU. Tennessee comes out. They're a four-point favorite. I got them coming out, coming out mad. Jaron Guantanamo Bay, whatever his name is. But it's going to guarantee <laughs> he is going to come off. He's going to go off. I'm talking three or four touchdown game. 250 plus, maybe throwing yeah. a rush touchdown. I got yeah, I'm Tennessee. Feeling it. I got Tennessee by two touchdowns. I'm feeling it. I think that Jeremy Pruitt said all the things I'd want to hear a coach say after that game. He said, I'm going to look in the mirror, and I suggest that's what everybody else does too. I think he's going to coach his ass off this week, and I think Tennessee's going to get a win. I don't know how big, I don't know how how you know great they look but i think they're gonna at the very least grind out a win against byu all right here's my here's my shout out okay give me your shout out transfer quarterbacks baby wow oh goodness what a week jacob e said boom jalen hurts holy shit justin fields nice that's all i gotta say yeah transfer Transfer quarterbacks quarterbacks were awesome this week and you know what man i i want to be on record saying this just for 
for the future, we don't even have to, you don't even have to ask me my opinion. Here's my opinion, okay? Two five stars transferred from Georgia, our starters somewhere else, and had amazing weeks. And I'm going to go ahead and say on record that Kirby Smart made the right decision. And this is why. I think that out of those three quarterbacks, Jake Fromm fits the Georgia system the best. And I I think that if Justin Fields or Jacob Eason were the starter at Georgia, it would cause a lot of conflict because we'd be pressured to using their skill set in a way that didn't fit the offense. Now, would I love for Jacob Eason to stay? Yes, I loved Jacob Eason at Georgia, and I loved watching him at Washington on Saturday. I'm glad Justin Fields left. I don't think he was a good fit, and I think even if he had stayed, there were some issues that would have came up with the way he was handled by the coaching staff and the way he felt. But I just want to say, Kirby, you made the right decision, man, and I really hope those two guys have good careers overall. I'm sure right. I'm sure Kirby, he can sleep at night knowing he has your validation. Yeah, I'm. listen, man, <laughs> I'll call Kirby up sometimes, and I just say, Kirby, keep it keep it up, man. boy. I just got to let him know. (laughs) Let me hear your shout out. All right. My shout out this week is to the guys over at the Big Three Roll-Up, specifically Silk. Now, I don't listen to the Big Three Roll-Up. For those of you who don't know, Big Three Roll-Up is a podcast that focuses on the three major college football teams in Florida. Notice I said three because UCF is not a major college football program. So Miami, Florida State, Florida are all in on that podcast. And Silk is the Florida Gator fan. I just want to shout out that man because he is on Twitter being hilarious 24-7 and roasting people and talking shit to everybody on. He's a good follower. So yeah, for sure. So just want to say shout out to those guys. Keep being funny, even though I disagree with 99% of what you say on there. Just keep being funny. All right, man. Let's wrap hey. this up. Oh, go ahead. You got something else? All I'm going to say is let's go watch the Bears sackle Aaron Rodgers, baby. Bro, why'd you do this to me? Why'd I love you. you. To me? I, I love, love you. Too. I love you, Good too. Good night. Bro. All right, guys. Have a nice one. Check us out. We'll be back. See you.